All views and opinions in this podcast are not meant to offend or hurt the sentiments of including but not limited to any person living or dead, religion or ethnic group, community or country. Indian food is so much more than dal, butter chicken or samosa. The average Indian isn't even remotely aware of the tremendous culinary diversity the country has to offer. If the average Indian isn't aware, the world surely hasn't a clue. And on this podcast, we're talking about all sorts of interesting regional Indian cuisines that just don't get the love they deserve. My name is Roxanne Bambot and this is Beyond Butter Chicken. We can't possibly record a podcast about Indian food without shedding light on some of the fantastic cuisines of southern India. Sadly, most people tend to club them all together as one and often fail to remember that we're talking about five different states and their vast repertoire. So instead of zooming in on just one state, this episode is going to be an introduction to South Indian cuisine. My guest on today's episode is helping me break some of the many stereotypes when it comes to South Indian fare. Rakesh Raghunathan is the man to talk to when you're looking for correct information about Southern Indian cuisine. Rakesh is the host of many food TV shows like Dakshin Diaries and 100% South Indian that showcases the culture and culinary history of South India. He's a food enthusiast with a deep insight in food history, and I can't think of anyone better for this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Rakesh. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. So while this podcast so far has featured really specific cuisines or regional cuisines of a particular community even, for this episode, I thought it best to do something a little more generic because when it comes to South Indian food, everyone sort of clubs it all together and it becomes a little difficult to talk about one state without talking about the others. So I thought this would be a good exercise or a good episode to sort of just break myths and stereotypes. So could you give us maybe a small introduction on what it means or what someone means when they talk about South Indian fare? So when I ask you, um, or if I can ask you, what is your take on South Indian food? What, what, what is South Indian food to you? I mean, to me, it's mostly rice-based dishes, just because I know, I mean, I'm Indian, so I have some concept of what what, what happens. Um, and of course, the first thing you think of, without doubt, is idli dosa. <laughs> I guess there's there's just no two ways about it, right? Like there could be a hundred types of idlis and a thousand types of dosas, but that's the first thing I think of. And then I club it all together. And then I remember like, oh, okay, depending on the state that I'm talking about or that I'm going to, like every time I do a trip, I'm always thinking of what I'm going to eat just because mm-hmm. the food is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what you think of. You think yeah. of idli and dosa and it pretty much stops at that. Right, right. But South Indian food, if you actually look at it, um, there's a lot to South Indian food than Italy, dosa, butter, and filter coffee. Of course. Um, every region, every community there, right from the indigenous uh, people who live in that particular region to temple priests who make like temple prasadams, it's very, very unique. Um, yeah. And this is all based on the kind of regional produce that they had so you there's nothing called south indian food yeah mm-hmm. there is there is idli vada dosa which is common but um, there there are unique facets about south indian food that we will obviously discuss in detail as we go along in this conversation but it's very eclectic it's very unique and it's uh, if you ask me and and this is usually i, I get stereotyped whenever i say i am from chennai 
uh, they're like, oh, you're from Chennai. Oh, idli vada dosa and filter coffee. I yeah. said, you know what? Honestly, that do- does not define the cuisine of Chennai. To me, what defines the cuisine of something that evolved in Chennai or in parts where the East India Company was is Anglo-Indian food. Oh, really? I Because didn't see that coming. <laughs> that had its origins in like the Malagatani soup was, you know, it came from a pepper water, which is called Melagatani in Tamil. Is it uh, similar to say like a pepper rasam? it is a pepper rasa that rasam. was modified i mean the the tamarind obviously they couldn't handle uh, the tartness from the tamarind so they reduced it they at instead of mixing it with rice they put rice as a garnish with a wedge of lemon jazzed it up a little bit and that's how it evolved so truly chennai and you know where essentially where the east india company was is where uh, is the evolution of the anglo indian cuisine that's amazing but also very different because you're talking about only chennai uh, very different from the other states yes. um and other south indian food yeah yeah okay so you know we keep saying south indian south indian and it's like nicely everything is clubbed together but what would you say for someone who has completely no concept of indian food or no idea of this geographical debate that we love to have what would you say is like the most glaring or common differences between cuisines from northern india and southern india because we don't club all the northern states together like that exactly. seems you know they would get really annoyed with that but we seem to do it with all the southern states so what what is this difference between north and south so essentially there is a lot of rice that is used in mm-hmm. in in cooking there were at one point of time more than 250 300000 varieties of indigenous rice at one point of time wow um, how many do you think it, we have now i think people have probably revived maybe like 500 700 maybe wow yeah i i work very closely with uh, uh, you know the farmers and trying to revive uh, these indigenous grains um, mm-hmm. and it's it's been quite an amazing journey for me personally it's very gratifying more than anything yeah. but i mean to get back uh, every region has a unique variety of uh, you know indigenous rice varieties mm-hmm. um, the same sambar or the same rasam is made in different ways across the five i would say even six southern states if you include pondicherry yeah uh, because creole cooking and creole cuisine is yet another one that had its origins in pondicherry because of the french there so it's uh, there there's a there's a lot uh, uh, the same sambar has uh, if you look at it from just a sambar uh, what is made to serve with an idli or a dosa will not be that sambar is not served for lunch that's oh. a different sambar yes Yes. But uh, but are you saying even in the same state um, or in the same like say in the state of Tamil Nadu the sambar that is served at breakfast or with your idli dosa would be different from the sambar that is served for lunch or dinner? Most of the places that's how it is. Most of the southern states that's how it is because in in, uh, in the breakfast sambar is usually a sambar that is made with moong dal mm-hmm. uh, because obviously you know hotels today uh, moong dal is a lot a lot more inexpensive than tur dal. Yeah. Yeah. So. they've gone about using that and moong dal as a as a dal has been around uh, it's it had its origins from the south and that's something that they've used extensively so the lunch sambar will always have the tur dal okay. that's always the case and the preparation is very very different preparation is very different you know i love that you brought up sambar because that was one of the questions that i had firstly the most important question is am i pronouncing it correctly 
Yes. Am I saying sambar or am I saying sambar or am no. I saying sambar? Like, I, I would. <laughs> it's like the joke of the century because every time, like you see memes and all, and you see a lot of people from the south who are like, "You guys are butchering it." <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> I'm not going to say no to that, but you got it right. If you <laughs> said it wrong, I'd be the first to correct you. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I was like, "Hey guys, sambar is a deer. It's not what you can eat." <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I I watch so many memes, and now I'm very conscious. I'm like, shit, am I saying it correctly, or is someone <laughs> going to just be like, yo, don't know anything? But you know, you keep saying that it's different. Uh, a, a, like you said, different from breakfast, different from lunch, and different states. What is first of all, what is sambar for people that don't know, and okay. how would they differ? Because to me, it seems so generic. Like it, I would think it's the same recipe for everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what would be what would you how would you describe sambar and okay. what would you say is you know uh, the difference between from say the sambar in Kerala and the sambar in Karnataka or Tamil Nadu? Okay, so essentially, for to give you an idea of what the sambar is, sambar is essentially you know a tamarind broth that is boiled. There are vegetables that are added. It could be seasonal vegetables. It could be carrot, beans, uh, potatoes. tomatoes small onions all of that uh, cooked together uh, in the tamarind broth and it's usually uh, there's a masala that is sometimes ground mm-hmm. um, and this is a masala made with coriander seeds different kinds of lentils red chilies and coconut all of that and the proportions vary according to every community okay there is also a sambar powder so in the absence of the masala that you grind there is a ready available sambar powder and this sambar powder again is very very different in every district in tamil nadu itself yeah it's the same case across the five six southern states so that is added and then this is sort of tempered with uh, you know mustard and curry leaves as a fatida it's almost like a dal if if i can put it that way so that people sort of understand what it is but there are like the sambar that is that we make for example at home and i would say this is how it is across the south as well there are different variations to the sambar like i said mm-hmm. with tur dal with moong dal uh, instead of tamarind we use country tomatoes that's that's uh, sour then we make it with raw tamarind with like baby tender tamarind mm-hmm. then there's something called uh, a pitle which we make which pitle. is a kind of yeah which is a kind of sambar and interestingly this has uh, roots from the tanjavur marathas who settled in tanjavur mm-hmm. uh, pitle what you have in maharashtra the name is what is common the the recipe is completely different okay i like this cross country uh, absolutely chili. yeah and that, i mean we've talked about this in other episodes also you know yeah. that uh, the cuisine has evolved so much because of who batted who and who moved from which yes. state and you know brought their things so would you say even um, the sambar recipe is almost like each house has their own uh, version of it and it's their own little secret and you know so each uh, grandma will pass on their recipe with their own little tweaks like maybe a little more proportion of pepper or more tamarind and yeah the, the masala paste would be different is very different is very different it differ, it depends on certain occasions also like there are certain occasions for say ancestral worship then mm. you would not use asafoetida you would not use uh, red chilies because these are things that came in much later correct uh, as ingredients like red chilies yeah. came in with the portuguese uh, 
uh, carrot beans and potato again was much yeah. later so you would not use certain vegetables when you make the sambar you would not add certain ingredients like red chilies it is only flavored with black pepper so it differs according to community it differs according to the festive occasion yeah there's a lot like for example we make a sambar during peak mango season with country mangoes oh wow i yeah okay i've never had a mango flavored sambar yeah it's incredible base. It's, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, and these are these are not like a the, these are not like the uh, Imam Pasand or the Alfonso varieties. These are mm-hmm. like regular country mangoes, local, yeah, local ones, and they they would sell them outside schools for kids to buy. It's all or put together in like a pyramid, and they could just like buy how much ever they want. Um, so it's made with that, and the flavor of the sambar comes the the beauty comes out uh, uh, even better if it's uh, with these country mangoes. That's interesting. So coming back to, I know we deviated from my first question right into sambar, but uh, I love it. Coming back to the difference between northern cuisine and southern mm-hmm. cuisine. So we said this, uh, there's more rice prevalent yes. um, in southern India, and of course you see because even the idli and dosa is all uh, preparations of rice and and dals. But apart from that, in terms of flavor or even in terms of certain ingredients or spices used, what would you say is the difference for someone who really has no clue about Indian food and clubs it all together? What what's the difference between the two? The uh, the addition of uh, asafoetida mm-hmm. uh, in uh, down south in the south. Uh, mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot more shallots that we use. Yes, yes, I Cut. noticed that. Uh, my yeah. friend gave me a fantastic uh, chutney recipe, onion chutney recipe, and I was like, "Yeah, this is great." And she said, "No, no, no full onions, only shallots." She says your fingers <laughs> will bleed trying to, um, you know, peel them. Peel them <laughs> but it's worth the effort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's that, and curry leaves, of course. There's a ton mm-hmm. of curry leaves that we use, and a lot of coconut as well. across yeah. the south there's a yeah. lot and it's not just kerala there are uh, parts in in the south like in tamil nadu in yeah. parts of uh, hyderabad as well that there's a lot of uh, i suppose all the coastal areas right i mean just anyone we'll that's close yes. to the coast is uh, and the right. north is all landlocked yeah um, yeah and so peanuts no... peanuts mm-hmm. obviously the north whatever was the the mughal and the avad sort of influence that was there there was a lot yeah. of dry fruits that were used but whereas in the south to give it that consistency it's always coconuts and peanuts that they yeah. use in abundance yeah so these these are the different flavor and obviously the food in the south is a lot more tart mm-hmm. um because obviously of the because, because there's a lot of tamarind like you drive on the freeway everywhere that you'll see on both sides of the road is tamarind trees yeah so they make a ton of things with tamarind Uh, from pickles to yeah. you know just putting it in brine to adding it in sambar preserving it using the tender tamarind leaves mm-hmm. uh, there's so much that you can make what about spice is there a lot of spice in south indian food or there is that's... a lot of spice but again it's not spicy like the way it's been stereotyped mm-hmm. like idli dosa it is spicier Yeah. but it's not the spiciest like you can still go to parts of uh, andhra and telangana and have a meal where you're not like puffing yeah fire is not coming out yeah, it's not yeah. it's not like that even chettinad food for that matter the way it's been portrayed saying you know uh, it's all red in color it's filled with oil it's and masala is nothing you go to a local chettiar household and enjoy a meal with them it is very very subtle yeah. very nuanced flavors yeah that's true 
So, I mean, we talked about this whole disparity north and south and how the south has so much rice. I mean, it really does because, you know, it's in everything. Even the dosa is made with rice. The idli is made with rice. Um, little vadas are made with mostly with rice and dal. Um, and there are so many different uh, preparations. Could you talk me through some of the popular ones? Like, I just know uh, Bisi Veli Bhak. And I, it was like, I remember as a child, um, I went to a local South Indian restaurant and I just thought it was a tongue twister. So what is this? It's so cool. Uh, I turned out to be superbly tasty. So that became a favorite. And I was like, you know, it's the one token thing that I know apart from that. So I keep ordering it. But can you talk to me about the various um, popular maybe rice dishes? I know you do uh, tamarind rice and there'll yeah. be lemon rice and things like that. Um, but anything else that's Yeah, popular? there's a ton of things that, uh, you know, uh, we make. And South has been the bastion for any rice. I mean, that's something yeah. that we spoke yeah. about even earlier. So and not just basmati, right? Because everyone um, everyone thinks Indian food is only basmati rice because all. of all the biryanis and, and, and just generally, I think it's uh, too much advertising, but there's right. so much more. Yes. And uh, I don't think that's what you use when you're making your rice no, preparation. Not at all. Not at all. Basmati is something that we would use for special occasions in the South. It's usually... Uh, aromatic rice varieties that are indigenous, like the jeera yeah. samba and, you know, varieties like that is what we would use. Um, but uh, uh, to give you an example of how much rice plays a role, um, pretty much, and I would say this across India, right from the start, like when you were born and until you leave the place, rice is very, very integral. How is that? So the first food that is offered to you is, it's called chorunnal in in Tamil, in mm -hmm. Malayalam also. The first, like a rice gruel is what is given to you. Uh, there is when, a when a child When a child's sleep? first meal is, it's only a rice gruel. Uh -huh. um, and then your blessing that happens is again rice. With rice, then yes. When, when the bride and the groom walk into the house, it's, they, they uh, you know, uh, tip over a pot full of uh, rice. rice. Yes. Anything that you know, boils from a pot is called pongal, which is why it's called pongal for us. It, it, the Tamil word is called pongal, where it overflows. So everything in abundance, prosperity, happiness, okay. peace, everything. And then when you leave your mortal remains and go, they send you off with rice. So it's very, very integral. It's very philosophical. If yeah. You look at it i didn't even think of it that way you know i just thought like yeah you eat a lot of rice but you don't realize how it uh, plays a role in these small little um things as well yeah yeah and and there's this whole thing where you know oh don't eat rice it's carbs and all of that i mean i, I don't necessarily <laughs> I, I personally don't subscribe to that because i mean that's what our ancestors ate nobody yeah. ate um, you know quinoa and thing. i'm yeah. not that i'm against all of that i'm just saying Hey, we have those nutritive properties in our millets, in our rice. Varieties. Yeah, it's also not local for us, right? Absolutely. Um, and, yeah. and it's you know it's so interesting you brought this up because we're all looking at these um, new age diets, and I think everyone's goal in life is to lose weight, even if they don't admit it openly. Like everyone is just like googling, how do I lose weight in five easy steps and nonsense like that. 
Um, but I read somewhere that, you know, even when you go on to these fad diets or crash diets or whatever you want to call you, basically you change your regular diet um, and it's temporary. But what actually helps you be healthier and actually lose weight is when you go back to eating the food that you ate as a child, like Absolutely. your formative years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and my formative years was dal and rice. Yeah. So I, no matter what I do, this rice is never leaving me. And I have no problem with it anymore. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I, I think they've made rice the villain for a very, very long yeah. time. It's time to change that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to go back to rice. So different, if you look at temple prasadams as a concept, right? Yeah, everything, is, everything is rice-based. Mm. Um, because rice was in abundance and uh, large villages, uh, the kings donated large villages to the temples and te the villages, again, all of them, whatever was their first produce, like rice and lentils and legumes, was they were given to the temple, dairy was given. So the yeah. temple in turn put it to use and fed the people of the village back. That is the concept of prasadam. But rice has been pretty much uh, integral in all these prasadams. So you have the sambar rice, you have tamarind rice, like you mentioned, you have pongal that I just told you, it's mm -hmm. rice and moong dal just cooked together. It's like a- it's This like is a cooked sauce. at the time of the festival, right? At pongal. Oh, no, it's made even otherwise. It's made okay. during pongal. It's made on special occasions because it's a one pot meal that okay. can feed the entire uh, village. <clears throat> then on um, certain temples that revolve around the nine planets uh, called the Navagrahas, uh, on Saturdays, which is for Shani Bhagwan, they make mm -hmm. a sesame rice. Okay. Uh, then you have curry leaf flavored rice. Um, you have citron rice, not lemon rice, but citron. Okay. How... Uh, uh, what, how is that different? Means you normal um, local limes. Lime, yeah, lime, and also yeah, because the, there's no lemon in India. Yes, actually. yes, it's all yes. lime. Um, that is made. Then you have, of course, tomato rice and all of that. Um, then seasonal uh, greens are used. They mm -hmm. make uh, that kind of rice. Um, field beans, which is called mochche. Okay. Um, those the those are again made into rice. Um, there's just uh, and of course the the Bisibela bath you mentioned there's wangi bath which is made yes. with uh, eggplant. Um, so this just is a ton of rice and essentially if you look at these rice varieties and uh, the, the preparations, it's all mass, it's all one pot. And okay. all of that went on to becoming temple prasadams because that was available locally and mm -hmm. they had large villages to feed. Yeah. And it was and done it's just been, it's food that was available, blessed, and yes. then given back yes. to everyone. Yes. You, you know, this um, concept of temple prasadam reminds me there was um, there was a very popular chef in Mumbai at uh, the hotel at Taj Mahal. And uh, Mr. Hemant Oberoi was the head chef for many years and very well known. And I remember, um, so I'm not Hindu, right? Uh, and I'm in a small pocket in Mumbai. I'm, I'm Parsi. So my everything is like new. I'm, I'm always learning about things because I didn't grow up with this, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up going to the temple uh, and things like that. And he did this fabulous thing, which was such an eye opener. He did an entire menu, mm -hmm. which to me seemed very it seemed like a wonderful concept for a five-star hotel focused only on temple cuisine 
in India. Yeah. And uh, so much so that he said, you know, when we went, because obviously you do the recce, they must have chosen a couple of the popular, uh, the main temples, um, and they tried to eat the food to, to kind of replicate it and things like that. And he said, you know, it didn't taste the same. So they actually went back to get water from that temple or that place so that they could cook with that to give it its authenticity and all that. And, you know, the, the name, when you say temple cuisine, you sort of thinking you, you have this idea of something elaborate or exotic because it's not what you're familiar with. And then when you actually eat it, you realize this is as simple as it gets. Yeah. Just like amazing flavor, you know, yeah. and, and it's just the, one of the best meals you've had. Yeah. Um, and it ties up in exactly into what you were saying that it's only you only cook with what was available at that time. Right. Right. Um, and is it popular also even now? Um, do people want to try temple cuisine? And I mean, I'm just calling it temple cuisine to, to, yeah. to give it a broader spectrum. Um, but do people w want to go back and say, hey, I want to kind of rediscover what my local food is without all the, you know, flu and fraff of today. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> there are two things in the in, in South. Now, if you look at the temples in, in South of India, every mm -hmm. temple will have a temple kitchen. In addition to that, you will have a commercial kitchen where any devotee, whoever, any pilgrim who visits the temple can buy the prasadam for, a, for an amount. Okay. That's not the real deal. Which so is, that's the commercial kitchen. That's the commercial kitchen. Okay. Now there is a separate kitchen where the offerings are made only for the deity. Okay. Now that is the real deal. That is that's the place where you know there are these priests who have been uh, yeah, attached to the kitchen. Their lineage. They've been probably doing that for like three or four generations, and it's a closely held, guarded recipe. And they yeah. still make it in the most traditional way. Like you said, it's uh, the water, it's the utensil, the metal that they use. Yes. I mean, it could be bronze, yes. it could be um, uh, five different metals that go into it, uh, vessels like that. <clears throat> so all of that makes uh, a lot of difference. And of course, the use of firewood in the cooking mm -hmm. um, is very, very uh, unique to uh, temple prasadams also. And so, uh, it's still what people uh, are interested, what they... You know, I, I, when I say people, I mean people who are actually uh, curious. enthusiasts. Yeah, the curious. They're very curious. Because yeah. today people want that extra layer, you know, when they travel. Um, yeah. They want to go, they want to go not just to a restaurant, but they want to go to a local home and understand mm -hmm. food. And uh, and it's the same with temple prasadams also. Um, there is a ton of uh, information that, uh, you know, I've documented around temple prasadams. Um, which is, uh, and for me, it's, yeah, there, there is obviously, uh, you know, the documentation purpose, but when you understand the temple prasadam as a concept, you look at these inscriptions and in temple walls, you get to understand the entire region's uh, economy, the number of people who live there, what was their occupation, uh, what kind of materials were available, how did they cook, how many, how many people were required for the, yeah. I mean, it's just so much that it's it mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and many people, when they say prasadam also, they think it's only vegetarian. Whereas there are parts of uh, South India, in like in Kerala, where toddy and dried fish is a temple prasadam. Oh, really? Yes. I, did, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just sattvic food. Sattvic is in temple prasadam is one sect. But like you have animal sacrifices, yeah. uh, there are uh, temples that serve meat. There are temples that serve you biryani. 
um, there are temples that will, like I said, offer dried fish and toddy because again, these were locally available. Yeah. You know, and they had to put it to use and feed people in their villages. Yeah. And why and, not do it? Yeah, why not? And it's interesting because um, when I think about it, like I said, because we're stereotyping and, and in this podcast, we're trying to go beyond, uh, beyond butter chicken, beyond all our stereotypes. Um, but when I think of South Indian food, because I think of idli and dosa and the rices and the poris and things like that, I'm always thinking vegetarian. Mm. Um, whereas there is a vast number of non-vegetarian dishes if you actually break it down and you go state-wise and you like one of my most favorite things to eat is a ghee roast I'm just obsessed with it Um, I love a good chicken ghee roast um, and I love like uh, um, the Mangalorean style preparation for Mm -hmm. prawns and things like that and like we said it's coastal so obviously there has to be some amount of seafood as well um, but it's interesting. I didn't think that as a temple offering, there would be meat of any kind, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but I, or, or toddy for that matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it's very, very popular, especially Madurai. In fact, there are offerings like um, there's this um, particular deity called the Karupannasami, that's in Tamil, mm-hmm. who is supposed to be the local village deity who guards the village keeps it off, uh, you know, evil eye and things like that. So to keep him happy, they would go pray. They would leave a packet of um, BDs. Um, like little cigarettes? Like those thin uh, country yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, country cigarettes. <laughs> country cigarettes. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, they would they would pray and they would uh, leave a chicken there. Things like that. It's it's very, very popular. In the sense. <clears throat> but I suppose it comes back to the same thing, right? Like you offer what you have. Yeah. or what you're eating there's yes. no right or wrong in this thing because it's coming from the heart it's what it's... you can do it's what you can offer at the end of the day it could yeah. be a grain of rice it could be you know like a yeah like a huge pot of you know several kilos of whatever yeah or the fish that you caught as a fisherman yeah. that, that's your catch and you're offering Okay, I have to ask you this. Um, whenever I go to a restaurant, a South Indian restaurant, the one thing I want to eat is like a steaming hot ghee pori idli. Like it just makes my day. Um, so I want to ask you, what is pori exactly? Um, is it found in every household? Does the recipe change for it? Is it standard? Is it only found in Tamilian households? Um how is it different? What is it? What is pori? Because all I know is it's like I get it from a friend in this teeny tiny little box and I savor it and <laughs> I use it sparingly with hot ghee. It's just, oh, it's beautiful. But can you explain what it is? Sure, sure. So I'm, I'm going to correct you right there. It's it's not pori, it's pori. Pori. See, pori. I, knew, I, see I had to butcher something. <laughs> Just almost made it uh, through this podcast without butchering, but it had to happen. Okay, so I'm I'm going with podi. 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 Okay. Okay. So uh, podi, like you said, um, it uh, there's ton of podis, mm-hmm. um, and like uh, in every other part of like how you have different kinds of garam masala across communities, yeah. you have different kinds of podis made in certain communities. Um, like uh, if you look at the uh, Tamil Brahmins as a community, they would not add garlic to the pori. Okay. Um, um, and in Tamil Brahmins itself, there will be different variations. Towards Kerala, they will add some coconut 
mm-hmm. towards uh, deep south, like in parts of uh, Virudhunagar and Sivakasi, which is all in Tamil Nadu. They would add peanuts, they would add sesame. So it's literally the same podi. The common ingredients will probably be like red chilies, little bit of lentils and maybe asafoetida. But as you drive, it keeps evolving with the local produce that you have had. So I always tell this particular um, example, you know, you have that one family recipe for that podi. It could be a garam masala, it could be a sambar powder, uh, or it could be your, you know, gunpowder, which is podi uh, that you have for Italy. You can trace your ancestry with that one kori. Really? How is that? Because I'll give you the example of the kori in our house. Okay. Yeah. In addition to all the lentils and you know um, the red chilies and all of that, there's a lot of coriander seeds that we add. There's also some jaggery that we add. Okay. Even though we are from Tamil Nadu, but if you look at how this could have come in, my ancestors had you know a lot of land. They had uh, sugar cane that they cultivated. So okay. over and above what they sold, they used to make jaggery and use that as part of the cuisine. So we, even though we are Tamilians, we use uh, jaggery in some of our rasam, in some of our sambar and yeah. that we make. So our idli malaga pudi that we have to go with the idlis uh, has jaggery in it. Which is not actually common. There's a not, Which is not, not sweet in yes. the cuisine as a flavor. Yes, yes. So there, there's equal proportion of tamarind and jaggery in the pudding. And that is your recipe. That's your. That family. is our recipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there will be some other recipes along this, but every podi. I mean, there are more than I would say. Just in the podi that you have for idli, there'll be at least 600, 700 variations to that. And for everyone who's wondering what the podi is, it's like a condiment, right? It's, it's a it's condiment that you like have a little with, powdered, uh, yes. powdered form. It's essentially a lentil powder that's made by roasting lentils and red chilies and all other spices like, um, and also like sesame seeds and peanuts. Yeah. And some secret ingredients, depending on which household you're in. <laughs> secret ingredients. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's roasted, it's cooled, it's ground to a coarse powder and you either mix it with coconut oil, if you're from Kerala, sesame oil or uh, peanut oil or ghee. Uh, but lovely, just a lovely condiment to have. Uh, yes. with, and is it only eaten with idli or you just slap it on anything? Anything. You can even sprinkle it on salads. It's mm. incredible. Lovely. Is there a big sweet culture, like a dessert culture, like you would have in the north? Everyone has halwais and jalebis and pedas and stuff like that. What's it like down south? We have tons of sweets. Yeah. And again, this will take you back to the temple prasadam because, um, I mean, there's just so much. Like every, uh, if, if there are, let's say, hundred varieties of temple offering that are savory mm-hmm. you have hundred varieties of sweets that are equally made really so yeah. okay i only can think of my sopa uh, so you have the jangri which is very similar to the imarti mm-hmm. um it's it's very different that it's made here then you have the same uh, jangri again imarti which instead of sugar syrup it's either soaked in a jaggery syrup or uh, palm jaggery syrup okay um then you have different types of payasam. You have rice kheer. Yeah, um, that's my favorite. Have, yeah, uh, that's again uh, made in, in many parts of South India. You have, uh, you know, lentil kheer. Um, okay. Made with moong dal and chana dal and a little bit of tur dal. Um, then you go to parts of Kerala, you have the jackfruit payasam. Mm, that's lovely. 
which is insane. Then uh, they, there are there's banana paisam that is made in mm-hmm. parts. Uh, then you have something called uh, an akkara adisil, which is made in Tamil Nadu, um, which is rice and moong dal that's cooked in a lot of um, milk and sugar and ghee, not sugar, uh-huh. sorry, jaggery. Uh, then it, the spices like cardamom, mace and nutmeg mm-hmm. is also added. So it's like a rich porridge. Um, okay. Again, like a one pot that was given to people in the villages. And uh, this is uh, common even after a meal, right? Like it's not it's, just for temple food or No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Not at all. It's actually both. So whatever temple prasadams were there, it's all part of mainstream food. Now, like you, you would serve, they would serve you some of these things in like weddings. Okay. Oh. For example, yeah, yeah. So there, there's a lot of sweets. So you, and then you have the uh, uh, adapayasam, which is uh, rice uh, flour that is ground. It's it's kind of made into like pasta sheets and sun dried. Yeah. Regenerated and then made into payasam. Oh. Then you have something called an adirsam, which is uh, again rice flour that's cooked with jaggery. It's made into a tight dough. Mm-hmm. Um, this is then flattened between your palms and then deep fried in ghee. So a lot of sweet. Y'all, y'all have a sweet too. I yes. wasn't anticipating that. You got a sweet too. <laughs> a lot okay, of so, so you like your desserts. You like your rice. How about your street food? What, what is the? Because you know, India always. I, I see all these articles like best Indian street food, and of course, idli dosa to now has been adopted by the entire nation in any pocket and any yeah. street food. Like especially in Mumbai, if you go to any cow gali or like eat street, yeah. that's the first thing, and yeah. they do it damn well, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, what? What is the kind of uh, street food that you'd have in um, in the southern states apart from idli dosa? Like, what, what would be a snack? So, uh, when you go to parts of, uh, I, I don't, I don't. So, this whole concept of street food and snack, in my opinion, I think has evolved only in the last decade or maybe yes, two yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, because I, I think the south, especially uh, when you compare it with Bombay, is not very fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, when I go to Bombay on work, I'm, you know, it's like, Clustered. I, yeah, I'm like, okay, guys, like, how about we take a minute, you know, yeah. like, it's just like, chop, chop, chop. Okay. And everybody values time there because, you know, you miss a train and that's it. You're done for the day. Yeah. Um, whereas here in the South, you know, you're just used to having your time and space and yeah. figuring out, Oh, what do I want to make for lunch today? What and should that's we your make greatest for blessing. Really. I would think so too. I am yeah. not for a minute, uh, uh, you know, not saying it's a blessing, um, but uh, this, I mean, there are street food like in pockets here, like Salem. They have something called a tattu vada set. Okay. Uh, tattu vada is essentially, um, I don't know if you know tattes. Um, it's uh, it's a rice and uh, lentil fried disc, okay. thin discs uh, like savory discs. Mm-hmm. Now it, it's, it's like a sandwich. There are some chutneys that are added to it. Added to it. Uh, like a sweet and a spicy chutney. Uh, a lot of um, grated vegetables are added and like this podi thrown on top and given to you. This is very okay. famous in Salem. If you go to parts of Chennai where there's a lot of the North Indian Marwari uh, population, mm-hmm. um, it's it's called, the, the region is, the area is called Saukarpet because mm-hmm. Sahukar is money lender and they, that's how they came here as a community and yeah. that was their profession. So there's a lot of street food there. Uh, they, they make something called a muruk sandwich. Okay. 
two small murukas again chutney applied in the center they have like boiled potatoes vegetables and then they give it to you like that that's like unique this kakra sandwich that we make <laughs> i think kakra is taking over the country Everywhere. one state at a time and uh, <laughs> no one is complaining um you have that then um Can I ask? Um, would you classify uh, mango buns as a street snack as well? It's available in street snack also, but it's usually like a breakfast item, I would think. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Um, I tried it the first time a couple of years ago, and and it has a slight sweetness to it. And I thought, oh, this is lovely. And I was literally today years old mm-hmm. when I found out <laughs> that it's made with banana. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. It just so for anyone who hasn't had these glorious buns, it's just like this little puffed. Um, I mean, it's fried. It's fried. Um, and it 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 seems like a dough. And I kept thinking, oh, there's this sweetness to it. You know, it's almost like a puri. Yeah. Uh, for lack it's, of a it's better. It's like a fried pita pocket, if that. Yeah, that's perfect. Actually, a fried pita pocket, but it had this hint of sweetness, and I thought, well, maybe it's fermented, and I was just being, you know, really like. thought i was being rather god's oh, not thought i was being smart um and i literally just today when i was going through some articles i said let me do a little bit of research before this podcast and i was like banana i said, <laughs> did not see that coming but ingenious yeah um, incredible incredible yeah. again local produce correct correct i, I mean yes. again coastal right so yeah, abundance yeah, of yeah. banana coconut uh, that pineapple yeah So very interesting, huh? I gotta do a trek down south and try some of these, uh, the especially the sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's cool. it's insane, and I mean, it's, and it's usually if you find these like street vendors, they'll all find themselves near the local the local bars. So people come yeah. out, you know, have a drink, come pop. Some I mean, drink. that's the idea, right? Like the street food is meant to be um, casual, inexpensive, affordable, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. and you have these street food. concepts even in uh, bangalore mm-hmm. um, you know they actually they have a dedicated food street today i have seen that food street uh, undergo like several changes over you know the last 20 25 years yeah. um, they in fact have a, a festival there to celebrate the mochche which is very very famous in karnataka again mm-hmm. like it's it's the, it's the field bean it's like the wal okay um, So Valdi, yeah, they make anything and everything from bades to halwa to payasam to wow. you know rice and you know like vermicelli noodles. Everything using from one bean, like yeah. from yeah. wal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's creative. That's, I think that's the thing with street food, right? They're always trying to be even more creative. Like sometimes right. it's ludicrous, and you just look at like this ghastly chocolate sandwich that keeps uh, showing up on social media and you know people doing all this nonsense with momos and things like that i mean yeah. we make fun of it because yeah. rightly so some is just gosh awful right. um but some are genius you yes. know yes uh, yes no and if you look at it back then when what we are having today like the tomato rasam for example yeah. would have been fusion food back then because absolutely i mean if not for the portuguese we wouldn't be having tomatoes in our rasam Yeah. Right, and to think today a rasam without tomatoes, like oh my god, how is that even possible? Yeah. So maybe twenty years from now, goji berry rasam will be the most in yeah. thing. You never know. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll be turning my nose up and be like, oh my god, these millennials. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love how I'm saying that when like I am one. 
but you know what I mean? But you never know. It, it might just be part of yeah. the repertoire eventually. And I think Absolutely. that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, but we'll pause at the chocolate sandwich. That we won't include in any cuisine <laughs> anywhere. That yeah, will be banished think. forever and yeah. ever. Just that's gosh awful. Yeah. So, you know, love, I love this. We've talked rice, we've talked idlis, dosas, uh, <laughs> we've talked uh, sweet. Um, but the most crucial thing when I think about any sort of Indian cuisine, and how can I not talk about this epic biryani war that we love to have? <laughs> I mean, it's like incomplete, right? You can't talk about uh, anything without coming back to biryani, and especially because like we're talking about the land of rice. Yeah. Um, so now I know that there's a mupla biryani in, in Kelabar, the Malabari biryani. Um, I know there's another biryani in Tamil Nadu, if I'm not mistaken, a Dindigul biryani? Is that Dindikal. Dindikal biryani. So um, what, what are your thoughts on um, the biryanis of South India, and which is your favorite? I particularly like, okay, I'm a little partial towards the Hyderabadi biryani. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's my I, I've said it with everyone and um, uh, the guys in Kolkata are always like, no, our biryani is flavor and all. I'm like, yeah. yeah, 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 that's great. Hyderabadi biryani for me. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I tend to agree because I think there's a lot of nuance behind making that. There um, is, there's there a lot of subtle flavor, but a hardcore South Indian who's used to the biryani here will look at the Hyderabadi biryani and be like, hey, this is just like rice mixed with vegetables and meat. Mm. They're like, what, what are they even doing? I've had actually had people come and tell me that from the best biryani that you can have in Hyderabad, um, they came back to me and said, you know, it's not nice. I said, why? They're like, yeah, what, what is this whole concept of rice and thing? There's no masala in it. Mm. I'm like, okay, you, I, I don't know. There's some, so the South, especially in Tamil Nadu, the kind of biryani that's made in Dindakal, in, in deep South, is from a particular rice variety. It's a short grain rice called Jiraga Samba. Can you, sorry, could you say that again? Jiraga Samba. Jiraga Samba. Okay. Jiragam That's the rice. In, yes. Jiragam in Tamil means cumin. So okay. it's short grain like the cumin. Okay. That's what it is. Okay. Um, so uh, essentially, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of masala mm -hmm. um, that's ground together and the rice and the meat is sort of cooked. It's not layered like you would find in a dum biryani yeah this cooks in dum no doubt they still use the firewood and you know they put coal on top it's still cooked in dum but it's it's um, sort of it's not layered okay um, it's it's very different the type, style of preparation there are uh, parts of uh, it's called kongunad mm -hmm. um, kongunad they don't say kongunad today but it's what uh, salem Eero, tirupur coimbatore and parts of that represent uh, they make something called a vella biryani, which is a white biryani. Vella means okay. white in Tamil. Okay. Um, they make something like that with mutton, chicken. Um, and so no use... spice essentially. No, but the spice paste that they use for that is very unique because they use that kalpasi, which is uh, uh, stone flour, dagadful. Is that? Yeah, dagadful. Yeah. Dagadful. Yeah. They use that, which is very unique to that particular region. I've never seen, uh, you know, other parts use this particular dagat food. Mm -hmm. um, Kerala, like you said, you have the Talasheri biryani, you have the Mapla style, you have uh, different um, uh, styles of biryani there. And the biryani there is very different. The gravy is usually cooked and the yeah. rice is sort of flavored with spices and cooked. And it's usually, you know, on, on the it's saucer, the meat is given and the rice is, rice is sort of plated on top. 
and given so it's cooked now, separately it's not uh, yes. cooked together like together. Uh, gum it's not layered it's yeah. not layered there are places where they add dates and pineapple to the biryani um, it's again a very regional yeah. influenced uh, recipe i mean but that is really the biryani anywhere right like it's adapting and uh, you sort of using whatever is in the region and the style but uh, i'm very very partial to the hyderabadi biryani especially yeah, with too. the me salan too. like the mirchika salan on the side yeah. is just so i'm very curious because you mentioned that people went there and had you know to some of the popular places and said they didn't like it which were those places <laughs> i don't know if i should say that here <laughs> yeah no why not i mean everyone has a debate about it but since i have like one i have some familiarity with it i'd love to know no i think they went to paradise and uh, ah yeah um, and uh, there was there's another place also which is supposed to be very very famous and they said oh you know it's yeah. not like what we have in the south and they came hey. i said but i suppose you can't do that right like i can understand you not liking it based on the dish it is like because i know a lot of people uh, say paradise isn't great anymore and that's fine that's mm-hmm. your opinion on that but i think to compare it to another style of biryani yeah. is unfair because Absolutely. that's two completely different dishes right mm-hmm. it's not a mm-hmm. standard recipe that's yeah. had everywhere yeah uh, it's a very different very evolved no but so- again from see as someone as someone like you and me who's probably understood food in its you yeah. know in its wholesomeness will probably yeah. be able to differentiate but the common man is not going to be yeah. like for me the meal that i eat today is it tasty or not yes yeah. is yeah. question and 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 food has to do that answering for it yeah i suppose that that's essentially what he said i didn't enjoy it yes um but i'm saying to compare it and say oh it's not like the biryani i had at home is probably a, a deep stretch considering yeah. your in a very no and i'm saying even within like south india like i'm sure that some of my friends when they speak about biryanis they like they would not even have tried you know biryani in some other person's house but they will say the biryani in my house is the best yeah yeah that that is the arrogance <laughs> that we all have i think it goes way beyond biryani it just goes to yeah mera ghar ka khana and my yes. house food and my mother and my grandmother are the <laughs> best cooks in the world i think that's just a Yeah. I, I think that's actually a global thing you know i'm sure it there'll is. be people in italy will be like my nona cooks it the best and yeah. you know you don't know how to make pasta and that which is also okay because that's what yeah. you've grown up eating i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh fantastic okay now this is a slightly tough question but i love asking this to everyone who comes on the podcast and there's no right or wrong answer but according to you what is the one dish that you think best represents south indian food like i know it's really generic because usually i ask for one cuisine so i'll say what do you think represents like food in kerala or food in tamil nadu but i'm encompassing everything mm-hmm. um and i said you know there's no there's no right and wrong it's just your opinion what do you think is the one dish that really represents the cuisine in total i don't know i would say maybe there's something called the chakra pongal which is mm-hmm. made during the pongal festival mm-hmm. um which is you know rice and you know lentils boiled together and there's jaggery that's added people make this across south india in different variations okay um and i the reason why i picked that is because rice again is very very common to the south yeah and during that festival this is made across south india um So I would I would say it's probably that or maybe even the the vent pongal that 
when pongal is the savory version of the same mm-hmm. thing that i just said but, rice and but basically pongal yeah basically pongal interesting i thought you would just say dosa no i would never say dosa <laughs> i would never say dosa i feel like for people who really understand the cuisine or want to shed light on they're trying so hard to go beyond that they're like we're trying to break your idea of just idli dosa like come on guys <laughs> i've just gone through 500 types of rice and you're coming back to the same thing um, but that was wonderful <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> So what does the future hold for Rakesh? What are you up to next? What what's in the pipeline? What what do you want to do? Um there is a book that I've signed up for. Oh lovely. Uh I am working on that and hopefully it should be out uh later part of the year. Mhm. A uh, couple of uh, OTT platforms uh, we're going to be doing shows. That's very cool. That's a yeah. wider audience also. Yes. I mean, TV is wide enough, but still, yeah. it's a different audience. Right, right. And of course, I I do a lot of work with uh, brands and consulting for them, uh, brand endorsements that I I do. And I I think for me, the the kick is in the part kick is about documenting um, food and particularly South Indian food. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so one thing that I did during the pandemic, which kind of struck me, was you know I've I've dealt. i've gone deep into recipes and culinary history but i wonder i said there's always that one person who's there that you don't really talk about so mm-hmm. i i did my research about seven establishments in chennai okay. that that have been around for at least say three or four decades um and they are known for a particular recipe like there's this establishment for caramel custard there's mm-hmm. a place for marwari thali there is a place uh, known to make ande ki mithai okay and there is that one person behind all these uh, establishments who does that particular recipe day in and day out with a philosophy in mind so i wanted to uncover yeah. that so i called that series food art and uh, we called it artists who create food that's wonderful and where and this is on your uh, this is on my social media across and YouTube, youtube and facebook and all of that wonderful yeah. so a really interesting uh, future for you with all these fun projects and things like that that's fantastic yeah. congratulations thank you thank <laughs> and you. good luck <laughs> and thank you so much for doing this podcast i think this is a lovely introduction to uh, south indian food i can't wait for your book uh, because that would be just fantastic i mean i think uh, it'll be almost like a little bible and i'm going to think about you every time i eat my ghee podi idli every Bodhi. time podi <laughs> we schooled i take a picture and send it to you um i thank you so much for doing this this was just wonderful i feel like there's so much to talk about right and you know this you've been documenting you've been um, talking about this you've been highlighting the cuisine i love people who do this especially when it's your cuisine and you want to bring it to the forefront i love um people that are breaking myths and that are having conversations about food and culture because it's it's just more than food right it crosses over yes. into so many things um so i'm hoping we'll do more podcasts um with the next season and we'll go and then we'll go into specific 
specific cuisines and each state and um you know talk about a lot more things uh, but for now thank you so much this was wonderful if you want if you've enjoyed this podcast and if you'd like to follow rakesh and you want to see what he's up to and you want to follow all his wonderful series as well please find him on social media on instagram on youtube and of course his website as well thank you so much for doing this pleasure pleasure roxana it was lovely uh being part of this uh, podcast and in a small way try and put south indian food on the culinary map across the globe oh i think you've been uh, <laughs> doing it in a big way not a small way but a very big way i think it's fab thanks so much pleasure thank you thanks a lot if you enjoyed this podcast you can tune in every week for a brand new episode where i talk to another expert and delve into a different aspect of indian cuisine You can listen to more episodes of the Beyond Butter Chicken podcast on Spotify, Apple Music or any of your favorite podcast platforms. And make sure to follow us at Mammoth Media Publishing and The Tiny Taster for more updates. Until next time.